Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation as well as the big MLB topics, starring score baseball insider Bruce Levine and half of Chicago's number one sports morning show, David Haw, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Hey, Chicago. <laughs> what do you say? <laughs> Cubs is going to win today. And introducing himself to Cubs Nation. Welcome back. Inside the clubhouse, good Saturday morning, Chicago. This is David Haw. We are here, 670 The Score, and on your free Odyssey app, broadcasting from the Cubs convention at the Grand Sheridan with Bruce Levine, talking baseball until 11 o'clock. A lot of great guests today. Bruce, it is good to be back talking baseball with you on this Saturday morning. How are yes, you doing, buddy? Uh, I mean, um, Mike Esposito has done a great job stepping in for you while you are doing your football thing. and. It's great to have you back on the show. I know uh, everybody's been looking forward to it and uh, saying, you know, what happened to Haw? That's right. You know? And he said, well, you know, he, he actually works about eight days a week doing football I, during I, football I, season. I love the way you casually dismiss that you're doing your football thing during Bears season. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I, football is, you know, a secondary sport to me. <laughs> I, get I, it. I know the rest of uh, Chicago, it's all about, you know, Bears, you know, 24-7, 365. But... You know, the reality is, is uh, baseball's our sport, and you're my partner, and we've missed you. You know, like I said, Espo's done a great job of sitting in, but he's only keeping the chair warm for you, David. Espo did a great job. Really appreciate that. And it is good to come back and do this show today here with Cub fans everywhere. We've got a great show for everyone, 930 Dansby Swanson, 10 o'clock Crane Kenny, president of business operations, 1030. Jed Hoyer, the president of baseball operations. There's a lot to talk about and to go over with this offseason. And we're going to talk about the Cubs Hall of Fame, Aramis Ramirez and Kerry Wood inducted on Friday during opening ceremonies. That was a big deal. It's just a lot of fun, Bruce. But I do wonder this as we arrive here and people start to regather and after last night's kind of kickoff to the offseason, the countdown to spring training has begun. Do you sense more excitement or disappointment from Cub fans after 
getting to this point of the offseason because, let's face it, we went into it before I got off to the going to the, base, the football thing, and everything was about, okay, pursuing Shohei Otani. That was, the, that was the prize package. That was everybody's object of their desire. And you thought it was realistic for a while. You reported it that way. And then it's that, okay, well, if you don't get Otani, Cody Bellinger could be there. There could be another guy there. You could still have a good offseason. Bruce, here we are. It's January 13th. There is, you know, a festive atmosphere because this is the Cub convention. But I don't know if people are excited or disappointed based on what has happened or what hasn't happened. Well, you know, I, I asked Jed Hoyer that question. By the way, he'll be one of our guests, uh, you know, later on in the show around 1030 uh, about that. And he said, you know, he, he understands the angst of uh, Cub Nation that uh, the additions haven't been there. But it takes two to tango, David. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, the reality is, is that uh, Scott Boris has controlled the free agent market up to this point by having five of the top seven or eight free agents that were available out there. After Otani, after Yamamoto, it's all Scott Boros, you know, going from there. And he's still in that mode of, uh, excuse me, of moving toward getting his guy signed. Now, when Boros uh, does his thing, David, it's all about a chronology of once I get this player signed, then I'll start getting player two, three, four, five, six signed in that order. In other words, you're not going to sign Reese Hoskins to play first base for the Chicago Cubs right now when Bellinger could be one of those candidates to play first and center field. It's contrary to Scott's market. So my point is, is that Hoyer is being held up by other people's intent and that this being uh, – free agency, and Scott Boros. So I think that is a good explanation. I also think it's frustrating because you're at the mercy of the way Scott Boros is playing his hand in this offseason. You wonder if he's overplaying his hand when it comes to Cody Bellinger. Let's start with him. You could still get a Cody Bellinger return and call this a successful offseason. I, I think when you look at yesterday, you introduce Shota Imanaga, 30-year-old lefty hmm. who's going to slide into probably the middle of the rotation. You get him, you get Bellinger, you get other, maybe another piece. You might need another bullpen piece. That's a, that's a successful offseason, right? But if you don't get Cody Bellinger, Bruce, I think they're, they're positioned to be disappointed on opening day. There's a lot riding right. on that negotiation I'm, and how it's being played. I'm going to ask Jed Hoyer this question when he comes over here to the convention, sits down with us at 1030. I'm going to ask you, are you trying to win – and go deep in the playoffs, or are you trying to win a division? Okay. Are you just positioning yourself to make the tournament, or are you positioning yourself to be a great team? Uh, or is that over a period of time in their mind rather than uh, fan base and media base, hey, it's this year we want to win the championship what's, what's the either or? If I say, yes, I want to win a championship, who does that bring me? If I say, yes, I just want to get in, what does that bring me? I, I don't know. What is the alternative? If you're saying Cody Bellinger represents a, a, a desire and a, and a commitment to going as deep in the playoffs as you can, go get him. If you're saying that not getting him, you're still going to be able to compete, that, that, sounds, like, that sounds like settling or rationalizing. Yeah, but, but I'm stepping past that, David, in my thoughts. And my thoughts are 
you you sign uh, you sign Montgomery, you sign Chapman, you sign Bellinger. You're a you're a world championship caliber team. Mm -hmm. Although you're putting yourself in the realm of uh, paying a uh, over in the you know in, in your payroll, you're going to step into paying extra money down the line uh, because of a penalty. Uh, are you willing to do that, or is your plan uh, greater for the next five or six years that includes your farm system doing the rest of the heavy lifting for you? What effect and, and what role does Craig Council play yeah. in answering that question? Because you look, you go out and you, you poach the Brewers manager and you make him the highest paid manager in baseball, you're making a huge statement, we're ready to win now. At the same time, he comes from an organization where you trust the fact that he can win later too because of the development issues, because he's good at taking uh, players and doing more with less. So I, I think that he gives you the luxury uh, of being right whichever choice you, you make. I think that also maybe makes it easier to rationalize if you don't get the big-name free agents and that, that don't represent you know, an attempt to win now and, and behave like you want your big market teams to behave. I think the council part is interesting, David, because as you framed it, he can, in their mind, he can help you win games that you were left on the table last year, according to them, right? So in their mind, their you know, ownership and uh, the front office, they let Ross go, they hire council because in their mind, they would have been in the playoffs last year winning two or three extra games if uh, council's the manager. If that's a theory going in, it's a, it's a great thought to try to figure out whether, okay, we don't have to do as much free agent-wise because we have a manager that's going to take the people that we have and make them better, okay, better than they were. And, and, it's, and it's, it's tough to put this on David Ross, really, but that's, that's really not the intent of mine. My intent is looking and analyzing what Tom Ricketts and what uh, Jed Hoyer and what Carter Hawkins are thinking about. And in my mind, they think, we don't have to sign a lot of free agents. We just need to have a, a few essential uh, ones I, because our minor league system is ready to produce. I, I hope that's not part of the rationale in, in going out and getting Craig Council. Yeah. Because I, I, I think that it's incompatible in terms of a philosophy. And I'm not saying that that's what they're doing, but you don't go out and you make Craig Council the highest paid manager in baseball so you can cut a few corners and just live off your minor league yeah. talent. You, you look at it as cutting corners, and, and rightfully so. It's, it's a good opinion. It's a fan's opinion. It's a media's opinion. But in their opinion, we have players coming. We have to leave spots open for them to develop. We believe in our players. Maybe our fans don't believe in players developing from the minor leagues because we really haven't done it for an awful long time. Okay, Maybe ever when it comes to... Uh, pitching since uh, the Zambranos, Priors, and Woods were around. That was the last time they really developed uh, a, a big amount of quality starting pitchers. Now they, they feel that they are, are there, that they have position players. They traded for a, a first baseman they feel will be a power-hitting first baseman for the next six years for the Chicago Cubs. It remains to be seen, but the impatience by fans, by us in the media – uh, that's that's our our jobs. Their job, fans' job, is to say we want to win now. Media's job is to kind of police it and say, what is your philosophy here now? Okay, 
you're going to win over the next five or six years. What's wrong with 2024? I, that's a great question, and I don't think there's anything wrong with t- 2024 because the Cubs want to be in the mix to win a pennant. And I, when you go out and you get Craig Council, that is the announcement. That is, that is the proclamation. You had a manager that you felt very good about, was a World Series hero, and he got fired so you could bring in Craig Council to win now. And then, you know what, to sustain it to win later. He's going to do both. you got to do both. And I think part of that involves going out and getting the free agents or retaining the ones that help you be a championship contender. Cody Bellinger at the top of that list. Ron Coomer, Cubs radio analyst, friend of the program, friend of everybody here. Goodness, does anyone not like Coom? He was on with uh, Marshall Harris and, and myself on Friday morning on the Mullinghaw Show, and we had a good conversation about all the state of the offseason, and he talked about Cody Bellinger. And when Coom talks this positively about a player or about a development, you wonder if he knows something. And this is what he had to say about Cody Bellinger and the Cubs. But the chances of Belly ending up in a Cubs uniform are really good. Okay. I would say that. I would think we'll probably go after one more offensive player outside of Belly because you're trying to add, not just stay status quo. I would say that would be one. The other big thing to me is the bullpen. The bullpen is something we have to address. We've lost some significant arms, and you cannot win in our game without a strong bullpen. All right, Bruce, so we'll get to the bullpen piece in a moment. What did you make of how confident Coombe sounded about signing Bellinger? Well, it's based on uh, people he talks to, and it's also based on looking at the marketplace and going, other than Toronto and San Francisco, we haven't heard a word about anybody else even being involved. So the marketplace that started with the uh, you know rumor coming directly from the Boris camp of eight years and a you know a three hundred million dollar contract of some sort is is now you know more realistically six or seven years at twenty five to twenty seven million dollars. Okay, that's that's probably the realistic place where this is going to go. Now, uh, creating a bigger marketplace is the job for the agent. He's in no rush, uh, uh, two months away from uh, from season starting, to, to get his player out there. He's never been rushed by uh, getting a player to a marketplace before he gets every dollar out of that market that he can. I, I just don't like Scott Boris having that much say in the Cubs off season, but he does have that much say in almost every team. You, 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 you have a choice. Yeah, you have a choice to to go on without him. It's okay, not, that's not a good choice. Right. That, that's I mean, not, that's not that's not a feasible and, and, option. And here's the other thing, David. Taking your point a little further, every off season is not the same. Every free agent class is not the same. This happens to be a relatively weak free agent class. Okay, mm-hmm. Bellinger. You know, let, let's say Bellinger comes back to the Cubs. Who else excites you? You're talking about Hoskins. With all due respect, he hasn't played for a year, okay? And, and he's going to be an integral part of your team. All right, that, that's a crapshoot in itself, you know, coming back from missing an entire year. Uh, and it's, and it's going to be a pillow contract. What's that? It's a one-year deal for this guy to be able to reestablish oh my, oh my himself. What's happened to you, money? Bruce? I've been gone for eight weeks, and you start talking like an agent. It's pillow contracts. It's, it's, the, it's the reality. Boris's explanation. Okay, yeah. I, I know it is a reality. Reese Hoskins, though, I know, and I wonder this, and this will, this will segue into 
the move that the Cubs made with the Dodgers this week, and I want to get your comp on, on Imanaga as well. But let's start with the Dodgers. The pillow contract for Reese Hoskins may or may not happen, and also Michael Bush, the young prospect from the Dodgers that came over to the Cubs in a trade this week, their second overall prospect, left-handed hitter who can rake, the PCL MVP, 26 years old. How do you see Michael Bush fitting into this year's plans, and is that dependent on whether or not they get Reese Hoskins or not? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's counterintuitive to uh, to get this player and then sign Hoskins, okay? Because then you're saying, well, maybe you're our first baseman, young man. Maybe you're our DH. Maybe you're our third baseman. Maybe you're going back to AAA. Uh, at 26, he's got to be in the major leagues today. He's got to prove he's either a major leaguer or he isn't with the Cubs this year. Uh this is a you know a late period of time for a developing player, even in a very great organization like the Dodgers. So he's got to play every day somewhere for the Chicago Cubs in 2024, David. That's that's just my opinion. No one's told me this, but you look at it. The reality is, you know, he's a power hitting guy. He also uh, you know makes it more realistic that if he's going to be there, and you don't necessarily have a place for Morel yet that Chapman would be the guy that they sign rather than Hoskins. Well, but Matt Chapman would block Bush at third base. Yeah, but uh, nobody in the Cub organization thinks that Bush is the third baseman. They think he's the first baseman they or think a he's DH? The first baseman, yeah. Or a corner yeah. option? They don't feel they have. he has the defensive skills okay. or the uh, feet to play third base every that's day. A, that's the kind of insight I miss, Bruce. So I think when you look at Michael Bush then, does it concern you, should it? that the Dodgers were willing to let him go. They know talent. They no, develop prospects. I, I, no, no it, it's the Dodgers, okay? Their positions are pretty loaded, okay? Right. He's not playing first base anytime soon with Freddie Freeman there. He's not playing second base with Mookie Betts playing there, you know? So you're talking about a, a loaded organization that's going to win 100 games every year. They they have – and they had to move – they really had to move roster space to, to get the players on that they already went out and, and got. So – it doesn't diminish this young guy. What it does is it creates a power-hitting possibility at Wrigley Field where you might have brought in a guy that can hit 30 to 40 home runs every year for you well, at first base. Well, a guy who is capable of hitting 30 to 40 home runs every year for you is Christopher Morrell, and I do wonder what the guy with the electric bat is going to be facing in spring training. Is he going to be at third base now if they don't get the Chapman if they don't try and believe in Bush at the position and yesterday Jed Hoyer did meet the media we're going to talk to Jed at 10 30 today but he was asked about Christopher Morrell and what is his best position you know he's a guy obviously offensively he had a great year last year um, you know he's going to work hard at, at various positions and you know it's a long season and I feel like um, making out your lineup card and just figuring you know going you know around the diamond that's not how baseball works we're going to have injuries you know, all the time, we're going to need that. And the more positions he can play, the better. He's going to have a big impact on the team. You know, I don't know if he's going to have a, a one-set position, though. No, for me, the, the wrong answer, okay? He, he's, he's the guy in charge. He'll, him and, uh, and the coaching staff will, will be making the decision. Bruce Levine won't. I'm telling you it's the wrong decision because not every player that's athletic and this guy is a baseball athlete, can play uh, numerous positions. He has not proved a, the ability to 
play very well at one position yet. Okay, so why would you say? I, I, I beg to differ. So I, I beg to differ, oh, Bruce. The okay. one the one position that he has proven to be very good at hitter. Okay. Hitter, he's got to be in the lineup. You've got to have right. him in the lineup. You're right, but for me, you put him at one place. You don't dilute what already is there, which is what you said, a power hitter, a young power hitter that could be hitting 30 to 40 home runs every year. You put him at one place, make him relax, and then you, you deal with the errors at third base for a while. You can live with some errors at third base, okay? You can't live with errors at second, short, or first. You cannot. First is the most underrated defensive position in baseball. You see the ball way too often there to be below par. I'm saying let the guy play one position. Are you going to continue to move him around? Ross decided last year we moved him at second. He didn't play that well. He was okay. We moved him at short. We moved him to left field. He made errors. He didn't look good at any of those positions. This is not, you know, it might be 2024, David, but you can't force the issue on a player saying he can play everywhere. No, he can't. He has to learn to play one position okay and just leave him alone because, like you said, there's a chance he's going to rake and be one of the top power hitters in the game. Just as a point of reference, in 2023, Christopher Morell played 19 games at second base. He only played five games at third base. He played eight in right field, eight in left field, 12 in center field, and 61 as a designated hitter. And all of that moving around with no stability, he still managed 26 home runs and 70 runs batted in in, in 388 at-bats. That's a guy he, that's got to hit. He had, a 20, he had 17 home runs in the minor leagues the first uh, couple month and a half or whatever it was. Oh, that's right, because he wanted him to stay down at Iowa last year. I remember that. Yeah, he, I, he wanted – I wanted him to stay down uh, Yeah, there. I think so. Well, you, you're telling Jed Hoyer what to do, so uh, I figure you have some uh, uh, look, clout here. Look, the position, it's important to have a player come up and be able to relax and do what he does best. You identified it, David. What he does best is hit home runs, drive in runs, and be a fan favorite on top of all of that. I have two real quick comps. We have to uh, get to a break. Danzy Swanson is going to be coming up at the bottom of the hour. The Michael Bush trade on the, on the Mullion Hall show on Friday, I got a little carried away, and I wondered aloud if getting a player like Michael Bush at the stage of his development, a left-handed hitter who was blocked, who may not uh, have a home, and you wonder about his next step, I invoked Anthony Rizzo when he was traded to the Cubs from the Padres. He, didn't, he was in a similar situation, and he took off. Think about that while I ask you about the other comp. Shota Imanaga. We met him. We heard from him coming in. Left-handed starting pitcher. I think his, his measurables, I, you, you can look at There's a great breakdown uh, at marquisports.com uh, about him and what he brings. Jose Quintana, is that a fair comment? I would say the, the scouts that I talked to uh, said that. And, uh, you know, I said it on the air the other day on Marquis that this is a Jose Quintana comp, which a lot of people don't get excited about because they remember him being a good pitcher for the Cubs. Not a great pitcher, but certainly one that, that they needed at that time when they made that big trade with Cease and Jimenez going to the White Sox. Everybody in Cub Nation after the first year or so thought that this was a horrible trade. It, it was a very good trade for the Cubs. It gave them a stable starting pitcher in the rotation for three years while they were in a contending mode. But uh, that's the comp, and uh, 
look, I think he can be a little bit better than Quintana. We'll see. Uh, there, there are high hopes for Imanaga. Is he going to be a number one or two? I'm not sure about that. Thing. Good good text uh, question from 217, and you can text us at 312-644-6767. Texter asks, does the trade for Michael Bush make Matt Mervis available in a deal? I imagine, you know, if somebody's interested. I, you know, I had heard uh, over the winter and last year that the Yankees were interested in him. Um, first base has been a, a little bit questionable for them because they have a couple of aged guys there in uh, Lemayu and Rizzo who might be in the last years of their contract, last years of their careers uh, going going into this season. So, yeah, I mean, that's a possibility. I, I think the, 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 tell, the real tell going into the break here, David, is that the Cub Farm system is looked at in a different way by the other 29 teams now than it has been for decades. And I think that's really intriguing that the Cubs can make more trades moving down the line, not have to depend on free agency every year. He's Bruce Levine. I'm David Hall. We are back together on Inside the Clubhouse, live from the Cubs convention at the Sheridan Grand, downtown Chicago, or as Matt uh, Peoria Matt texted in, the prodigal Hoosier returns. Is that, <laughs> is that okay, Bruce? But it is going to be a lot of fun because we have a big show still ahead. Dansby Swanson, when we come back, as I said, Crane Kenny at the top of the hour, Jed Hoyer at 1030. Keep it right here on Inside the Clubhouse until 11 o'clock. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. And always live on the free Odyssey app presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Welcome back. It's Inside the Clubhouse at Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. David Haw, Bruce Levine until 11 o'clock. We are trying to connect with Dansby Swanson, hoping he stops by. He is scheduled to talk to us this morning. Uh, until we get there, Bruce. Last night at the United Center, they inducted 13 men in the 96 Bulls into the Ring of Honor. And I think we have to address this because what it says about fandom. And we're in the midst of a fan convention here where everybody's festive, excited, and getting 
getting ready for the next season. And this is a very uh, – it's a fun group, Cub fans. Last night, both fans – one incident can't represent the ent- an entire fan base. But last night was a bad look for the Bulls. Last night was a real bad look because during the introductions, Jerry Krause was the former general manager during the dynasty, and he was inducted into the Ring of Honor. And when they introduced Jerry Krause, this is what happened. NBA champion, two-time NBA executive of the year, represented by his wife, Thelma, basketball Hall of Famer and former Bulls general manager, Jerry Krause. You can't hear it as well there as I guarantee you you could hear it in the arena. I was there, and it was embarrassing, and it was sad, and it was classless. And whoever was be you know, whoever booed, I just understand why people have this opinion of Jerry Krause based on history and based on a lot of things that were outside of his control. But on a night where it was intended to be you know, paying tribute to a group of men who did great things like Jerry Krause did, there's no place for it. And it was even made worse by the fact, if it's possible, that his widow was then shown on the giant screen, and she was visibly shaken and emotional. Now, she could have been just by the moment and the gravity of having her, her late husband inducted into the Ring of Honor. I hope it wasn't because of a reaction to the booing, because, the, you know, it, it, come on, people. There, there was no place for that. David, uh, this is all predicated on how he was treated in-house by the championship team, the coach, and some of the players. Jerry Krause's role as a villain on this team and as a guy that they didn't respect was all predicated on people like uh, Michael Jordan and uh, and Phil Jackson uh, showing uh, less respect than he deserved throughout his career. Okay? So... Who did, the fan, who did the fans really relate to? They always related to Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Coach Phil Jackson. They never related to Jerry Krause. And Jerry Krause was called Crumbs by these people. Uh, that was the nickname that Michael put on him. And that lack of respect always resonated there to the point of what occurred last night. So this was um, conditioning, David. Uh, the fact is that Jerry Krause is one of the great baseball, basketball men of all time, okay? He, regardless of whether you have Michael Jordan or not, he is the architect of, the, of putting these championship teams together. When Michael Jordan couldn't do this all by himself when he first came into the league, it was Jerry's job to put the right players around him, the right coaches around him, and make this into the juggernaut that it turned out to be. And without Jerry Krause's contributions, the Chicago Bulls would not have won six championships. I agree with that. I I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I I do think it has been nearly seven years in March since Jerry Krause passed away. You mentioned the conditioning aspect of the fans, and they see Krause because of the way that he was uh, belittled by many people in the organization during his tenure. I understand that the last dance turned a lot of people – uh, it, it reminded a lot of people of just what he went through. 
But get over it, people. That was seven years ago. Uh, the, the disrespect from the people that you work with that you win championships with, uh, the fans were conditioned. Okay, I'm not giving them an excuse. I'm giving you a reality in my mind of why this occurred. Oh, I know. And, and yeah, the perception. I, I, Is it horrible? Thel, look, Thel and Jerry Krause, very good friends of mine. Okay. Objectively, you look at this situation, you say, why did this happen? Okay. It happened because Jerry never got his due, okay? Uh, certainly, Jerry Reinsdorf and ownership always loved what Jerry did, respected the fact that they wouldn't have won without him. Jerry Krause is in the Basketball Hall of Fame. I'll repeat, Jerry Krause is in the Basketball Hall of Fame. He's not there because he rode in on the coattails of Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. He's there because he helped create those championships. And he earned the respect that he did not receive on Friday night at the United Center. An unfortunate evening, good intentions by the Bulls organization, and it's just too bad that it went the way it did in regard to the Jerry Krause booing. All right, 312-644-6767. If you have a thought on that, let us know. We'll maybe get to you later. But right now, right now it is time to welcome in the Cubs shortstop, Dansby Swanson. Dansby Swanson joins us on Inside the Clubhouse. Bruce Levine, David Haw. Dansby, good morning. How are you doing? I'm great. How are y'all? Thanks the, for having me. Where's the cowboy hat? At home. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the story behind the cowboy hat? It looked very sharp yesterday. You definitely stood out because you were the only one in the room with the cowboy hat. It looked pretty, pretty cool. Uh, how do I explain that? I wanted a cowboy hat. My wife got it for me for Christmas a couple years ago. And tonight, or last night, just happened to be the first night that I had an opportunity to wear it. <laughs> and when I was kind of getting an outfit together, talking with her and uh, a guy named Brandon Williams, he helps uh, with all my different clothes and stuff. And I was like, I think I'm going to go for it. You, you I'm re- just going to go I, for I it. I mean, you, you, pulled it, you pulled it off. You, you, no you realize you just started new marketing uh, Cub Cowboy hats, right? I mean, I, I don't think in I'm, history I remember any, but I think there's, you know, why not, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I love it. I'm about it. You mentioned your wife. How's she doing in, the, in her recovery from uh, the knee injury? I, obviously, uh, people know of her. They know of your you know, obvious connection. And it was a big story when that happened. It was unfortunate because of what it meant. How was she healing? Uh, she's doing great. Um, obviously, it's been a, a long year, but um, she's just been so strong and so tough. Like The things that she's been through and had to endure uh, this year and this season um, are Really, really hard, um, especially on her. And I mean, I'm not going to rope myself into that, but on us as a as a married couple. And uh, but she's handled it so gracefully and so beautifully. And she's put in the work. I mean, she's never not put in the work. She uh, sometimes I have to tell her that she should probably chill because she does. <laughs> she, you know, she does so much. But um, it's a kettle calling the pot black, right? She, uh, yeah, yeah. She, uh, but she's doing awesome. She's uh, back moving around pretty good and. Uh, doing some soccer stuff, and so she's she's handling things well. So excited for a good a good season for her. Dansby, uh, Cubs signed a, a new pitcher, uh, Shota Imanaga, to a, a contract yesterday. Your first impressions, obviously, the the guy won everybody over um, and immediately when he said, "Hey, Chicago, what do you say? Cubs are going to win today." Uh, your first impressions of him and uh, where this pitcher fits in for you guys? Yeah, I think he's going to be great for us. Um, obviously, this will be his first season here, but um, just seeing his his unique profile of pitching, just how his how his fastball moves, his splitter, his slider, he's just got a, a different ways to get guys out. 
um, and, and a, a unique kind of arm angle, a little bit of like that upshoot fastball, um, somebody that will really be able to um, not only eat a lot of innings for us, but do it at, at a really good rate. And I think that um, sometimes we don't value that as much as we should, uh, being able to, uh, you know, get through five or six every uh, every outing is a big deal, giving us a chance to win. And, um, you know, I think that it's going to be a huge addition for us, uh, knowing that, you know, every fifth day he's going to be able to take the ball and uh, be able to give us a chance to win. You know, and, and, and the other thing that I'll say is it just adds a lot of depth for us um, on the pitching side, uh, whether there's, you know, God forbid there's injuries, but just being able to give guys extra days off um, in between starts and those kinds of things. I think uh, it's going to be huge for us. What is your relationship like with Craig Council, and how surprised were you that David Ross uh, was fired and Craig Council was hired? Yeah, it was. Uh, it, I think it was a shock to us all. Um, it was just kind of one of those things where I had a voicemail left on my phone, and I was like, "Why is it? Why like? What, why does everything sound so sad? You know what I mean?" And um, talked to Carter and Jed both, and they just explained the whole situation and. Uh, why things transpired in the way they did. And, um, you know, I think that they felt that this was going to be a move that was going to help our organization and help our team, and so they wanted to make it. And, um, you know, it was their call. I know it was a really, really tough call just because of the respect and the love that, you know, each and every one of us have for Rossi and what he was able to do for us and, you know, being part of the reason why I wanted to come here and those kinds of things. So, uh, But Craig's been great. He's uh, He's really honest. He's very you know, kind of deliberate and um, calculated and things that he uh, wants and how he processes information. And so I'm excited to be able to kind of form a, you know, a partnership with him. We are live at the Cub Convention. David Hall, Bruce Levine, our guest, Dansby Swanson. And, and Dansby, when you look at your season, uh, you came here with the reputation. He plays every day plus, okay? And they can't even get you out during spring training games, Okay. That's a great reputation to have. You won a gold glove. You did some really great things. You became a leader on this team. Uh, you don't just become a leader in baseball. You either have it in you or you don't. You showed that you do. At the same time, except for the injury that you had that kept you out 15 games last year, you played every game. We've talked about this at nauseum. I'm sure you're sick of it, but I, I think it warrants it one more time. Would it be more prudent to miss a few games at certain junctures and be a stronger player at the end of the year, not just you, but, but anybody in the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, and I think, you know, every – the goal – how can I say this? The goal for me and what my job is is to play, right? Like I get paid to play. I don't get played – or I don't get paid to sit in the clubhouse and watch my team play. Um, there are probably certain times throughout a season in which – if you were to take a 24-hour break, that it could benefit you on the back end. Um, so it really is just about finding the opportune moments. I felt like last year, uh, I think a couple, you know, points of emphasis for me for, were for number one, it was like a culture moment, right? Like you want to build culture, you want to establish that we play, right? Like this is not a I don't feel too good today, I'm not playing. This is a I'm playing whether I'm tired, sick, beat up something's lingering, whatever, like we're playing. And because I feel like that that was such an important moment for us as a Cubs culture to say like, no, we're tough, right? Like we, we do this no matter what. And the other thing too is with how the year started out, like I didn't have that opportunity. Like we weren't good enough, you know? And I remember talking to Rossi about that. Like we weren't in a position in the season 
for me to take days off because we needed to win. And so just kind of strap it, did, it up and go. Does it bug you that the implication that you may, may have struggled down the stretch because you were playing too much? Does that, that bother you? Because you take such pride in playing every day? It bothers me not playing good at any point <laughs> in the season. Um, well, yeah, I, mean, I think that it just, unfortunately, with how the year shaped out, um, I feel like there's so many different factors into it. And we as a group aren't good at the, at the end of this, uh, the season, um, that last stretch. Uh, me in particular, I was not very good. And, you know, those things eat at me, especially when, you know, when all, when all you preach is winning and when the winning kind of like, comes to fruition of like, all right, we need to win, and you're not able to get it done. That definitely stings. You know, uh, it, it's it's sad to, to say, but it, it's a reality. Because David was replaced by Craig, one of the reasons we heard at the end was, hey, the team just didn't perform at the end of the season the way it should. Uh, you explained it beautifully, the fact that there was not an opportune time for David to take his foot off of the gas because you guys had to make up being 10 games behind 500. But in reality, at the end, you go 7 and 14 at the end of the year. You guys are having trouble making routine plays because you're so worn out. The, the bullpen is hanging on by a thread. That's the beauty and also the pain of a 162-game season. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, if you look to when we were playing our best ball, other than kind of right after the All-Star break, right, we were scoring, you know, 40 runs a game almost. Like I feel like we were <laughs> pummeling teams. But a lot of, you know, when we started having that success, I want to say it was the early parts of June. I think we were out in San Francisco. That's kind of when the run started. It wasn't just like a 9-2 to two cruise games, right? Like there was a lot of 5-3s, to 4-1s, right. to ones, you know, 7-6. to six. There was a lot of close games. So when that happens, <clears throat> no one's able to get off their feet. The bullpen guys are having to be ready. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, the bullpen guys are having to be ready. The position guys have to stay. Um, there, there's just so many things of like, oh, well, I got to keep my best players out there even for the duration of the game uh, because you'd like to be able to, you know, be up 10 to 1, take a couple innings off, and that really kind of helps add some fuel at the end of the year. Uh, and same for the bullpen guys, right? right. Like, you know, Merriweather, Leiter, and Owsley are having to throw, you know, each and every day, and Fulmer stolen a ton, and we had so many guys that were warriors for three months, but we just couldn't sustain it at the end because we just didn't do a good enough job on ourselves to, you know, early on to exactly. capitalize on yeah. that. And I think that that's where we're just talking about with the depth with Shota and, um, you know, you, you hopefully they can build some depth in the bullpen and all of a sudden you can put different guys in different spots to be able to trust that they can get outs and we can have a better year. Last question. So last summer, Jed kidded that you were very active in offering advice and never shy, mm -hmm. maybe even the assistant general manager. Maybe that's where you're so tired at the end of the season. You were, you were busy uh, making suggestions. How many of you made this offseason? How involved are you in the recruitment or retaining Cody Bellinger, for example? Do you make suggestions with what else you might need? How, how do players get involved, especially one like yourself who knows he's going to be around here for a while and you want to do everything you can to win? Yeah, I think, you know, one thing, maybe this is a life moment, too, of learning that I can't control everything, right? I can't have my fingerprints and everything. But, you know, me and Jed have always had a great relationship. That was one of the, you know, big reasons and things that we talked about before I'd even signed here was like, hey, I'm going to speak my mind. Like, I'm going to be very open and honest about what I feel and what I believe. So if you're cool with that, then we'll get along great. But if not, then this may not be a good fit. 
Um, and I think that that's kind of proved true throughout the year. And it may, I may have done it more than I think that they realized I was going to, but <laughs> I just felt like there was, uh, that this is such an amazing place to play that we can, you know, we can find good players that want to be here and um, want to play here. Uh, so me and Jed, we have a lot of conversation, obviously. Uh, I've started to get a little bit better about being like, hey, like, you know more than me. I'll let you do your job. You know, Are that you kind sure of thing. Are you sure about that? Well, um, yeah. Very sure. But <laughs> marriage, we, we, marriage, we do suggestions. Marriage will teach you that, too. <laughs> yeah, that is true. We, we, we offer, you know, we kind of talk back and forth about certain guys or players or whatever the case may be. And I think that one thing that we forget as, you know, players and fans and the whole thing is like, it seems easy because you can look at it and say, okay, we have X amount of dollars to spend. Well, that may or may not be true. Who knows? Like, the only person that knows is them. And you say, okay, well, we can get this player, this player, and this player at this value because th this is what their projected contract is. It's just not how it really right. works. I wish it did, <laughs> but it's not how it works. So. It doesn't sound like you're going to have a management career after baseball, right? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I'll probably be just a special guest and pop in whatever. <laughs> and, 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 and modeling cowboy hats. <laughs> and modeling so, cowboy hey, hats. Uh, David and I really appreciate you stopping by. There's only a million kids that want your autograph right now. Thanks. We'll, we'll make it happen. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. Have a good, enjoy you. the uh, – Dansby Swanson, the Cubs shortstop and assistant general manager, kind enough to join us <laughs> on Inside the Clubhouse. Bruce Levine, David Haw, until 11 o'clock. When we come back, we will talk about the Cubs Hall of Fame class, who's in and who isn't. Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 the score. Tonight, we'll start this whole ceremony by announcing the 2024 Cubs Hall of Fame class. Please welcome to the stage, Harry Wood and Aramis Ramirez. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. And always live on the free Odyssey app presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Welcome back Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. David Haw, Bruce Levine until 11 o'clock. Bruce and Dansby are done signing autographs so we can talk <laughs> about uh, well, the Cubs Hall of Fame class. You heard... Tom Ricketts introduced it on Friday. Ramos Ramirez, Kerry Wood. Bruce, we are both on the Cubs Hall of Fame committee. We are at liberty to just discuss in generalities. I I'll leave it up to you what you want to talk about. Well, I, I, don't, uh, I, I don't know the total vote. I, didn't, I, I, I didn't don't see, either. Yeah. But there are people on the committee, and they have the right. Sam, Sammy Sosa was on the ballot, mm -hmm. and I did not vote for Sammy Sosa, and here's why. I did not vote for Sammy Sosa when he was on my Cooperstown ballot because I did not feel like the cloud of suspicion had lifted over what he had accomplished. And I applied a standard, like it or not, disagree or agree, that's okay. There's two sides to every argument. And I didn't feel like if I voted, if I, if I did not vote for Sammy Sosa on the Cooperstown ballot, there's no way I could justify voting for him on the Cubs Hall of Fame ballot, even if there are different criteria. So I did not vote for him. I was surprised he was on the ballot if it wasn't guaranteed that he was going to be in the Hall of Fame, if you will. Because now, just like at the Ring of Honor ceremony, we're talking about who wasn't there rather than who was. The Cubs Hall of Fame class, we're talking about who didn't go in almost as much as we'll address who did. 
I understand. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people in the Hall of Fame, the Baseball Hall of Fame, that had uh, sketchy careers and that are attached to steroids, attached to uh, doing uh, amphetamines, attached to being alcoholics. Uh, how far do you go as far as performance-enhancing, performance, enhancing, performance uh, issues when you look at a player and you, you want to put them in sainthood or do you want to put them in perspective of a museum that they're going into? In my opinion, I voted for Sammy Sosa for contributions he made as a Cub player to Cub Nation. Never hit a ball and didn't hustle it out. Never failed to acknowledge the fans when he went out to right field every time he went out there. Gave everything he had. Whether he did steroids or not, the guy had a huge impact on the Chicago Cubs. That history cannot be changed, okay? It's there. For many years, he was the only reason to go to Wrigley Field. Uh, Cubs lose 9-7. to Sammy hits two home runs, okay? For that reason... I voted for Sammy Sosa as a Hall of Famer because uh, whether it was the uh, cork bat or alluding to steroids, the good certainly outweighed the bad in my mind for a Cub Hall of Fame. Can you imagine what the Chicago Sports Weekend would have been potentially if Michael Jordan had gone to the Ring of Honor ceremony and Sammy Sosa had been inducted into the Cub Hall of Fame on the same day in the same city, this place would have gone bonkers. And, 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 and again, it's a shame for Sammy. I, exp I respect your opinion and everybody's who did not vote for him. I think you have your right to that. I, 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 I use, uh, I'm, I'm a little bit of a hypocrite because I don't like to vote for people for the National Baseball Hall of Fame if they're, if they're too attached to steroids because I think it impacts the criteria for getting in that Hall of Fame, I think it's different criteria for a local Hall of Fame and the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. But again, it does sound hypocritical. He's Bruce Levine. I'm David Hall. We're going to be with you till 11 o'clock talking Cubs baseball at the Cubs convention. When we come back, Crane Kenny, the president of business operations, will join us here at the Sheridan Grand in downtown Chicago. Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 the score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.